Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we finally get to the New Testament. We spend a little time talking about the fact that there are four gospel accounts and why there are four and what their purpose was and who they were meant for. We especially spend a little time talking through the book of John and the book of Luke. So join me, your host, Kyle McCaskill, Becky Clark, Haley Kesterson, as we go deeper. So all around Trinity, and I can hear the the distant sound of hundreds of people sighing in relief because we've finally made it to the New Testament. New Testament, Jesus. So what what has been interesting for me up until this point has been the amount of or the number of times that Jesus has come up. Mm-hmm. And shown up in the Old Testament, always pointing that way. And now we're here. We are. Yeah. And if if you're listening to this or watching this and you're staying on track, then you have just read John 1 1. Hopefully not for the first time, but my guess is that some of y'all it may be the first time. But John 1 1 may be one of my favorite passages oh yeah in the new testament just okay. because it's it's got this such a strong parallel to uh-huh. genesis 1 oh yes it's so rich and yep. especially if you have kind of read the bible in order which not a ton of people do most right. people start in the new testament uh-huh. and that's great we love starting with jesus um but actually and we were just talking about this earlier Kyle A lot of times if you jump into the New Testament, you can understand the story, Mm -hmm. but you're missing. It would be like watching the last movie in a trilogy. Is that kind of right? I mean, because there's so much rich history Mm -hmm. that's pointing to Jesus over 400 um, times in the Old Testament. I actually think it's like way more, but I at least know over 400 prophecies that talk about Jesus. Let's just use the word 400 because that means a lot. Yes. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and a they, lot. And they all point to Jesus. And you can understand that there's this awesome guy if you're just reading it for the first time. But if you could read the Old Testament, it adds even more depth to the story. Mm-hmm. And I'll just kind of run through. If you listen to the podcast last week, we did talk about some of the prophets and what they spoke about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just want to read a list. This is an initial list that I just found on the internet of okay. like, what did Jesus fulfill? Yeah. And let's just kind of let this sink in. What all the Jews were expecting to, to happen with this coming king. The mm-hmm. expectation was that he was going to be the royal son of man. He was going to be the son of David restored to the throne. Mm -hmm. He was going to be the atonement for sin, which is huge because the day of atonement was a long tradition of history Mm -hmm. practiced. The sacrifice, the atonement for sin. He was going to represent a new covenant, which is huge because the old covenant was with a certain group of people. But this new covenant was going to invite all of these other family members Mm -hmm. into the family of God. He was going to bring the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. 
the resurrection from the dead. There are a lot of old passage, passage testaments that talk, or excuse me, scriptures that talk about being alive mm-hmm. after you're dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, final judgment on evil. And then, of course, new creation of the heavens and earth, which is a major Isaiah passages. He talks about these Mm -hmm. new creation, and then it's almost essentially the same thing we see in Revelation 22. They're like parallel. And then there's, after Malachi, there's some time of silence of, again, the number 400, over 400 years. (laughs) And these people are just like waiting. Mm -hmm. So like, Becky, when your kids are waiting for Christmas. Let's say they've got the best Christmas present ever coming. They know this best Christmas present Honestly, is coming. What does that feel like? We're not them anything good. That way they're not anticipating anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, but let's say you did, and you were like, you've got the best Christmas present right. coming. What does that feel like when you... Mm-hmm. You're waiting on this thing. Right. It's you know? extremely difficult. Yeah. It's, it's anticipation, excitement, but also uh, there's lots of frustration in the midst of that, too. I mean, mm. when's it going to get here? When's it going to happen? When yeah. am I going to get this thing? When, you know, there's a whole lot of. So, so we're there yet? Are we there yet? Yes. Are we there, there yet? yet? Are we driving there to the beach. Are we, How yeah. much longer? Yeah. Five How more much? minutes. Five more minutes. Five <laughs> hours. Uh, <laughs> five more minutes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a painful as well kind of waiting to. So. It is. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of political turmoil. And we've got like Herod and Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. And, and I just would imagine that would be a hard time. Oh, gosh, yeah. <clears throat> and then Boom. John one, then boom. <laughs> That's right. Then boom. John. Well, John one. Well, Jesus really. Mm-hmm. But we're we're starting with the the John one passage uh, here as and and you know one of the interesting things about the book of John as opposed to the other gospel accounts is John kind of dangles out in a very unique thing. Yeah. Um, John is a. a John is a book that there are no parables mm-hmm. in the Gospel of John. He doesn't he doesn't write that way. Um, he doesn't use. They say that Luke and Matthew and Mark essentially probably use kind of the same source. In fact, they say that Matthew is probably using Mark um, yeah. to some degree. And then there's another kind of out there cue thing. So if you ever hear about that, I don't really know what that is. It's just another source. Um, but John doesn't seem to use that source. But the truth is, is that John is a source in himself because mm-hmm. the the understanding is that the writer of John is John who was one of the, the disciples. Right. And so he has very different firsthand knowledge. Mm-hmm. He also writes with very common language so it's kind of the everyman book yeah um, mm-hmm. so that anybody could hear his story pick up the gospel of John and and the language is not too difficult right um, and so he is very unique but the way that then he starts off is even more unique because he does what Kyle said he he takes this reflection back to the Genesis 1 passage mm-hmm. of creation yeah um, and so his is in the beginning just as genesis 1 1 is in the beginning and there's this idea of the word the logos um, that always was right and he uses this word logos repeatedly and like the even just the first sentence mm-hmm. of his gospel um it, i think he uses it three or four times or something like that and then you stumble upon it again and again. This is how John says that we need to talk about the Christ. We can't just talk about when he was born right. as 
to walk on earth we if we're going to talk about jesus we have to talk about jesus from the very beginning because that's who he was as the son of god he always was with the father so when god created in the creation story jesus was there yeah that's really good yeah what, what i like so much about the the john one passage is it is making some of the fundamental things that we find in like our Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. The things that we hold in modern Christianity as these are the essentials. Mm-hmm. And one of those is that Jesus always was. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the creeds say eternally begotten of the Father, which, mm-hmm. which is saying that he is self-existent too, just like Yahweh. Yeah, you know, right. Just like the Father. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was, and it works on so many levels mm-hmm. because it's the word that we that we speak, that, you know, when God spoke, he brought creation into mm-hmm. existence. Right. When the prophets go out and they speak, mm-hmm. and when we write down these words, yeah. all of this word that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. it's flesh now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's happening. You're seeing yeah. it. Yeah. So, in the idea of where John wants to go in his gospel is to paint the picture for the listener to say, um, God's word had power from the very beginning because when he spoke, all of creation happened. Mm -hmm. So now the word has come to flesh to dwell among us. So the power now is standing with us. Mm -hmm. And then later on, we move from the transition of uh, the word being Christ to now we can think about the word now dwells within us as the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. The power of God, the the spoken power now dwells within us. So this beautiful progression of God the Father who speaks and has power to Christ who comes and dwells within us and has power as the word to the Holy Spirit later on when we read Acts dwells within us as power. Yeah. You know? Is that not just mind-boggling that the the same power that spoke creation into existence walked around on the earth? I mean, that's that's basically what John is saying here. He is. And that then and, even so, yeah, it now is power, us. Yeah. That power mm-hmm. also still walks around yeah. on the earth mm-hmm. if, if we let the Holy Spirit live and work through us. But I also think that's what people had such a hard time understanding mm-hmm. about Christ. And, and because though they wanted a Savior and they wanted him to be connected to God, this idea of one who is is God Mm -hmm. who walks with us is somewhat too mind-boggling for us to wrap our brain around. And when we can't uh, put something in a box, we have a tendency a lot of times to then just discard it instead of just say, it's okay that it doesn't fit in the box. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be a miracle. It's okay to be something that we can't fully explain, but we get uncomfortable with that. And I think that's what happened with the, the, uh, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, when Christ comes on the scene, a lot of them can't wrap their brain around Mm -hmm. this idea of the, the power and might of God walking among them. And it's too much and they can't fit it in a box. Right. I think about that with kind of my daily Bible study sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm not just like, whoa, look what God did or look what God's doing, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm not opening my eyes enough or really mm-hmm. searching for who He is because daily He works mm-hmm. in our lives and surprises us and, mm-hmm. and He teaches us new things in His words. And yeah, we almost need to be like 
not able to wrap our mind mm-hmm. around him. Yeah. And if we think we kind of have him like figured out, we should try to study a little yeah. more probably. If, yeah. Yeah. if God can fit within the confines of my understanding, then my God's not big enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Well, we diminish God. That's yeah. that's we are we are people who are constantly trying to mm-hmm. diminish the power of God to something that is manageable for us. Mm-hmm. Which then becomes the complication of when you diminish God down, then what is God what can God do? Well, God can't do miracles then if you've diminished him. Mm-hmm. God can't God can't hear our prayers if you've diminished him. God can't mm-hmm. move in a situation that you really need him to move in because you've diminished him. Now he can do those things, but in your mind you've diminished him down that mm-hmm. that it's not even possible. Because it's not possible for us. Right. So it has to be possible for a God who's way bigger mm-hmm. than us. And this is what John this is one of the things that John really focuses on, on his, in his whole gospel is just really the power and the bigness of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we need to grasp it so that we can not grasp it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I, I wanted to ask you, Becky, in John chapter 20, verse 31, he says, one oh, reason John that. says, that he has written this gospel. Mm-hmm. And again, we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptics because yeah, they yeah. kind of mm-hmm. tell the same story. But John yeah. is like, he even calls himself, you know, the one that Jesus loves or the yeah. one that God loves, right? You can talk I mean, more about that. if you're writing your own gospel, you should just call yourself whatever you want. I right. Guess. <laughs> Give yourself whatever title. Yes. And so he's... The favorite. The um, favorite, yeah. yes, maybe. But he, he has this, I mean, he loves God. I mm-hmm. mean, and he writes about that. Um, I read that some people say he calls himself that because he doesn't want his name in the story. Like he mm-hmm. wants to diminish himself and just show his love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and so he talks about why he writes this gospel in chapter 20, yeah. verse 31. He says, so that you many come to believe. I write mm-hmm. so that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in right. his name. So talk about that. Like, how much does John talk about life and having a new life? And mm-hmm. Oh, he talks about it a lot, but he also, you know, back to chapter one, because he uses in chapter one, he sets the stage for everything he's going to talk about in his whole gospel. It's it's the synopsis of his mm-hmm. whole gospel. I'm going right. to talk about the power of Jesus. I'm going to talk about the fact that Jesus brings life. Uh, I'm going to talk about the fact that Jesus is the light of the world, and he gives that light to mm-hmm. us to then share with other people. So he repeats the word light. I think in chapter one, six times, yeah. seven times, a something bunch. like that. Uh, he uses the word life multiple times. And so his his intent is for you to understand to kind of like we're walking around in this sense of without Christ. We use these words as a Christian kind of thing, but I don't know mm-hmm. that we really understand this. Without Christ, there's an understanding of deadness yes. within us. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's no progression. Mm-hmm. There's no hope. There's, there's no um, kind of something to live for. With Christ, there's, there's something to look forward to. There's an understanding that life doesn't end at death. Life is an eternity with the one who mm-hmm. you are constantly seeking. Yeah. Um, and life brings peace. Life brings hope. Life brings Joy. It doesn't mean that there isn't pain. It right. doesn't mean that there isn't hardship. But those things kind of 
overarch everything else to know that even when you're going through difficult times, Mm -hmm. life in Christ will sustain everything that you need. It brings all the pieces that you need so that you can get through the things and see something that is much bigger for you and much further along. Right. I had this conversation um, once with a friend of mine who's an atheist and um, she was explaining to me that she can still feel happiness. Like she has a purpose for life in her job Mm -hmm. and she does want to be good to her family. And so there are certain aspects of life that she may feel happy. Mm -hmm. But I asked her, I was like, well, what about on days when things aren't going well? Like when you don't go volunteer at the soup kitchen or, you know, and you don't have anything to really feel good about. What about at the end of those days? And she's like, yeah, you're right. I I feel kind of depressed on those days. So every day I try to find something to do good. And I think that's an okay practice. We want to do good every day. Yeah. But with Jesus, there's purpose right. in our life even when it's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, there's purpose in the mundane, too. Yes. I mean, you think about the, the mundane of just kind of day-to-day, the joy and i think when joy and happiness are different yeah and happiness mm-hmm. is a is a kind of a fleeting emotion joy is an overarching um it, it's not really it's an emotion but it's really just kind of an overarching purpose of life mm-hmm. and so i think god celebrates that sometimes when we are just faithful and leaning into joy in the mundane mm-hmm. of life that that gives us um, a sense of what we're supposed to be doing, who yeah. we're supposed to be, that we enjoy even just the normalcy, and we're ready for when there's other things, the, right. the hard or the extra amazing or whatever. But it's the the mundane days that really are the sustaining portion of what it means to be a Christ mm-hmm. follower. We talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago, Kyle, and we talked about, or maybe it was I me, Marie, so. we talked about, you know, you can't sustain a mountaintop experience. Yeah, I was there for that. Forever. Mm-hmm. You'll become exhausted with a mountaintop experience yeah. in your relationship with Christ. It's when you come down into the valley and you're kind of coming down in the mundane that really, I think, are the the most essential, important parts mm-hmm. of being a Christ follower. They prepare you for the valley, so when you need when you need something more in the valley and then when you come back up for another amazing mountaintop mm-hmm. experience that God is just beautiful to provide yeah. but it's the mundane of going down and then coming up that are i mean that's what the core of our life is right yeah. so that's where life life in Christ comes mm-hmm. from and John and John talks about that he mm-hmm. he has these themes of life light in the darkness those are just some things to look through for when you're reading through the book mm-hmm. um, repar- repetition of sevens he uses sevens a lot um, and then yeah that Jesus is the word I mean you just don't get any better than the way John wrote this and his love and the way he talks about Jesus's miracles mm-hmm. it will make you really discover who Jesus is right um, but should should we talk about Luke? A yeah, bit? we can totally talk about Luke. Luke's a really good one. Um, okay. Well, some things that you may notice if you're reading through so, these. Yeah, so flip back in your Bible. Yes, back in your Bible. <laughs> back, um, is like we already talked about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They just write differently. They mm-hmm. they 
are giving more. It's not even all in chronological order, but it's just kind of um, about Jesus's ministry. Whereas John kind of orders his he miracles does. in a certain mm-hmm. way to show us yeah. um, who Jesus is. But I like Luke because Luke was a doctor and mm-hmm. he was kind of had that doctor's brain. Yeah. I don't, is it and right it, or left yeah. side? The it, more like scientific, I think it's right-sided it's brain. Left brain. It's, yes, you're right. I it's left brain. It's yes. left yeah. brain yeah. because I'm right-sided brain. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like more of creative. I'm more reading, art, yeah. mm-hmm. that sort of brain. Left brain people have math, science. They like order. And it's funny because Luke says that. Um he tells us in let me find the passage here is Luke 1 one of the longest chapters in scripture yes Ooh, I, didn't, I yes. didn't even know that this one, I mean you, there's probably a lot of psalms that can rival him and I yeah <clears throat> I think that Isaiah has some long chapters right. too but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, Luke is like this is really the, the longest kind of run on mm-hmm. sentence right. kind of thing that he has um, <clears throat> I think he just has so much to say on the front end yeah so before we dive into this though I do have a question for y'all because I, I imagine y'all are a little bit smarter than us and I know this question is going to come up out there okay. is uh, so we have four gospel accounts mm-hmm. why four why do we need four because really when you look at any one of them they tell a complete enough story mm-hmm. and so the, this question of I could read John and be to- perfectly happy I could read Luke be perfectly happy and get who Jesus is cool. Yeah, there's multiple reasons mm-hmm. why there are four Gospels. You can talk about the fact of each Gospel account is written kind of to a different audience mm-hmm. okay. uh, for a different purpose. While uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record a lot of the same stories, the language that they use is somewhat different because mm-hmm. they're trying to hit a different group of people. So okay. Luke Luke acts, which really are, most people consider to be kind of one book with two right. volumes. You really yeah. should read them together. Yeah. Um, Luke is speaking to, um, I mean, he's speaking to a mostly Jewish um, audience. He's got very Gentile things, but he mm-hmm. uses a um, higher Greek language in a sense, mm-hmm. a, different words. Um, whereas when we were talking about John, John is kind of the everyman language. It's yeah. not too complicated. He doesn't use big words. He uses a very basic Greek so that pretty much anybody could pick it up mm-hmm. and read it. And then you've got Matthew and Mark who are also kind of doing the same thing. They've mm-hmm. got a they've got a specific bent of what they're trying to convey about Christ and themes that they want to put out there and an audience that they're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. Right. And speak okay. to. Yeah, Yeah. and so Matthew, and that's a good point. So let's just even, Matthew's version of the Christmas story. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. Because Luke is the one that gets read most in church. Yeah. And that is because, Becky, you're right, and that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were more toward the Jews. But Luke Mm -hmm. were more to the Gentiles even than Matthew and Mark. Mm -hmm. So John is the everyday one. Luke is kind of in between it's written to both groups and Matthew and Mark specifically Matthew is written to a group that knows the Jewish history they know the Torah Mm -hmm. they've been saying the prayer 
prayers and doing the synagogue, mm-hmm. right? Which so, is why Matthew starts with the genealogy of yes. Christ. Yes. Because that's a that. very Jewish thing. Yeah. Right. If you want to know who anybody belongs to, you always start with the genealogy first. And so mm-hmm. Matthew picks up the story of Christ by first telling you, here's where right. Ma- where Christ comes from. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know his people. Exactly. Right. And yeah. then he goes on mm-hmm. to tell the Christmas story. And it's it tells all the bad things about King Herod and coming mm-hmm. after all of the young Jewish boys to try to kill Jesus. And Mary and Joseph are running away from Egypt and back and they're traveling. And it gives all those details mm-hmm. because the history of the Jewish people what bad king were they trying to run away from? Yeah. Who was trying to kill their children? Mm-hmm. And so they connect with all of that. Mm-hmm. But Luke, he gives one that is kind of towards the Gentile. He gives a Christmas story that doesn't give all those details mm-hmm. because it's not really going to connect with that group yeah. of people as much. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't so care you- to go find the family lineage in the clerk of court's office. Right, <laughs> right. That's what Matthew's audience wants to do, yeah. and Mark's is just interesting because it's like Mark is the it's the shorter one. It's the synopsis. Like I'm just getting going to hit the high points. Mm-hmm. What's the most important here? I'm going to hit those high points. I'm not going to give you a ton of detail about that. Luke, I think Luke and John give a whole lot more detail about things mm-hmm. than Mark is like. You don't need to know X, Y, and Z. You just need to know this main point. Yeah, um, and so. It's because each one of them has different information, even though they're telling about Christ. They're telling about Christ's ministry. They're conveying the fact that Christ is the Messiah that was waited for, Mm -hmm. what what they had wanted, and his death and resurrection bring us to the point of where we needed to be for God to kind of move us to the next place. I mean, Christ needed to come and be the sacrifice for us. But each one of them conveys that story to a particular audience in a particular way mm-hmm. and and gives us an even more complete, when you read all four of them, an even more complete story as they kind of share. Just like Haley's going to tell a story differently than I'm going to tell a story. She's yeah. going to think certain details are more important mm-hmm. than I'm going to think are important, even though we may tell the same story. When we, re- when we hear them together, though, we have an even more complete story picture right. of what has transpired um, and there's more depth to it. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And I think that's just such a good example of how um, God meets us mm-hmm. where we're at. You know, yeah. we tell new Christians we're like, start in the book of John. That's yeah. a really good one. And that is good advice mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. John writes mm-hmm. his gospel in a way that's easy and accessible. Mm-hmm. However, even after just a little bit more study on Luke this week in particular, if you are a Right now, I forget which one. Right-brained person, or if if you understand the world, Luke says the purpose for writing this gospel is an orderly account about mm-hmm. the things that have been fulfilled. Yeah. He writes it nice mm-hmm. and neat and gives facts from first. Um, what do you call that? A, a witness that was there firsthand. First, firsthand. First, 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 first-hand account. account. Yeah. He gives those nice and neat and in order, and you might understand Jesus a little better if that's your the way you think about the world mm-hmm. you're not a creative literature person you Luke might be a good place to start for you um, and if you don't understand that one there's another one that's gonna reach you because mm-hmm. we have all different types of people that explain yeah. who Jesus is mm-hmm. So, yes, so the Gospel of Luke, he says that's why it was written. He wants an orderly account of the things that have happened. 
Luke, in particular, some themes to look for in his book. Um, he mentions women more than any other gospel, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is chapter 8. He gives a whole, the very beginning of chapter 8. Um, the section is like women that accompany Jesus. <laughs> and I didn't, never even knew that any women accompanied Jesus till I read the book of Luke because no one else mentions it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there's little tidbits here and there, but he gives a whole little section to it. And along with the 12, um, there were also some women's some women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases and they traveled with Jesus Mary called Magdalene um, Joanna the wife of Chusa I don't know how to say that Mm -hmm. the manager of Herod's house so like she was kind of a big deal she Mm -hmm. probably had some money and she was a big deal Susanna and many other women and they were helping support Jesus from their own means look at Mm -hmm. these women having money traveling with Jesus and like feeding him (laughs) <laughs> like putting mud, you yep. know, food in his mouth. So that's kind of cool. Um, and the other theme, really, is that Luke talks a lot about how Jesus. Most of his stories are featured when Jesus says that he's going to flip up economic and societal mm-hmm. um, thoughts. He's going to eat with the poor and the widow and the orphans, and those are the ones that we need to honor, not the, um, you know, the ones that have money and means. So social justice is really heavy in his book. Um, and then kind of some people that we don't see necessarily mm-hmm. in the other Gospels. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things about the the book of Luke, too, that is, is interesting is the fact that he points out that in a lot of ways that Jesus was not um, extra careful about also coming to the Jewish leaders and saying, you're you're kind of part of the issue that 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 people are having like you've gotten to the point where you're supposed to be caring for your job and responsibility as the Jewish leaders and priests and Sadducees and all that kind of stuff was to continue to convey the message of who God is to teach the people of God to lead the people well in who they are called to be but you have also gotten kind of a big head about power and all that kind of stuff. And so he flips a lot of the things that they're doing or their expectations personally mm-hmm. to say, to get onto them about, you're not taking care of the widows and the orphans, which is part of your responsibility to do. Mm-hmm. That's what the Jews are supposed to be doing is taking care of each other. There, there were laws about how to take right. care of them. And they, as the leaders, were not making sure those things were getting taken care of. So then when you also talk about like my favorite parable in Luke, and really my favorite parable is the the prodigal son in mm-hmm. Luke, and that whole story is a, a, a flipping um, kind of the this understanding of what the Beitab was, the father's household, and how people were kind of abusing the understanding of how family was supposed to be taking care of one another because mm-hmm. you've got the young son. Like I, I don't even, I don't want to even respect the father in this I want my inheritance now you're not even dead and I want my stuff from you and so I can go party and do all these things this disrespect of family which was supposed to be a key component of how the the Hebrews took care of each other and were an example to the rest of the world yeah uh, so he kind of he he pushes the buttons of the Jewish leaders too absolutely there's Um, a the Another great example of this, and this might just be good for us to read in chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. And let's just imagine ourselves at a dinner party with a prominent Pharisee. 
The Pharisees would have been the more conservative group of the time. We can't really put them into political views right. today, but the, the the Pharisees were kind of the right wing. We believe this and we should do this thing. And the Sadducees, I won't say they were more liberal, but um, they also had some messed up views, y'all debating over politics and political views and how's the best way to run the world. This is a long-standing history. Yep. Okay. It's been this, happening for about 6,000 years. It's been years. happening forever. Yep. Um, and so Jesus is at this dinner party with a prominent Pharisee. And let's. I'm just going to read some of these out loud. And let's think about how we, how are we looking out for the poor mm-hmm. as Jesus followers. Verse 8 when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a more distinguished. So for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give the person the seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, just right away, take the lowest place so that when the host comes to you, they will be able to move you to a better place. Here's the key, verse 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves, then they will be exalted. If we move down, verse 15. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God, But who is eating at the feast of the kingdom of God? Move all the way down. Verse 21. The servant has gone to invite people to this feast, and he comes back and he reports to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry because no one was coming in. And he said, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I mean, if you had a dinner party... Are you brave enough to do what Jesus said to just go out on the street and say, I don't know you, Scooter, (laughs) but you're poor, (laughs) crippled, and blind, so come into my house and eat. Um, And yeah, he just flips the script Mm -hmm. on who is honored and Mm -hmm. who is not. Mm -hmm. And we need to go after the poor, y'all, the poor and the crippled and the blind and the needy. and the. I mean, it is clear. If you are a Jesus follower, this calling is on your life. And if you are not doing it, you need to make an active effort to do it in your life. From the very beginning of Scripture, when, when God comes, He he makes reference to the marginalized that there is always a plan to take care of the marginalized, the ones Mm -hmm. who are pushed out from society, the ones that fall between the cracks, which is, that's a large part of Leviticus. It's a large part of the, the, the law. And, and then it continues on and people get in trouble for doing it, for, for getting to do, Mm -hmm. you know, take care of the marginalized. And, and we are still pretty bad at that. Yeah. We're still pretty bad mm-hmm. at, at making sure that the marginalized are taken care of. But it aren't is we a directive glad? as a Christian. Uh-huh. Yeah. Aren't we glad that <laughs> some people here and there all throughout Scripture did stand up and do what was right, Boaz? Uh, because Ruth such a good story. <laughs> is part of yep. the lineage of mm-hmm. Jesus. And mm-hmm. so Jesus comes from the people that were marginalized. People, Jesus comes from when you go back to read Matthew. A list of people. I mean, who like are a terrible. list of people who are marginalized <laughs> yeah. or not perfect, which yeah. is which is the hope for all of us that mm-hmm. there's. He's not looking for a perfect person. Yeah, pretty much mm-hmm. ever. Everybody in Jesus's lineage couldn't get a job <laughs> at a church 
in America. Oh, they yes. They couldn't pass the employee test. That's a really good <laughs> well, way to bring it right into right our here, world. Yes. This, this right here, this thing, this time where, you know, you, you maybe, you know, committed adultery and killed the lady's husband. Yeah, yeah, we can't, yeah, you can't be on staff here, <laughs> David. Yeah, <laughs> that might no. look bad for no. us. And so I, I hope we're enjoying finally getting into the New Testament. <laughs> I hope that as you read these, you, you begin to see this fulfillment of the this story that we've been reading up to this point with Jesus coming. And I hope that it inspires you to keep reading. And uh, one of my favorite things uh, thoughts is Jesus doesn't call us necessarily to do is he calls us to become mm-hmm. that, that we, we are living a life of becoming mm-hmm. more like Jesus. And so as we read these things, let's ask ourselves, how am I becoming mm-hmm. more like Jesus? And I think that's a good place to kind of wrap good. up uh, for today. Any last thoughts before we we no, had, you gave a good period did. to our okay. to our discussion. Well, so it was if, good. If you're new to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Believe it or not, when I look at the analytics, there's some of everybody. So y'all are listening to me. Y'all are following the directions. I also uh, said nerd for looking at the analytics. I am. I love the statistics. <laughs> and because I like the statistics, what I want you to do is I want you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Because then Apple says, these people make good stuff. I'm going to recommend it to other people. So if you value this, let us know so that more people can know. And if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment. Give us a like. Subscribe to Trinity Rustin. Anywhere you want to find us, just search Trinity Rustin, all one word, and you'll find all the places where it's on social media, the podcasts, our website, and we would love to hear from you. Send us your questions because we do have, let's see, I believe we should have in another couple of weeks another Q&A session. So send us a question to askgoingdeeper at gmail.com. And with that, I will say thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Mm